listening to Lead Defend, the podcast designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of your young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build your faith as you engage in a changing culture. Here are your hosts, Seth Tucker and Ryan Scantling. Hey fam, Seth is not with us this week, but I've got a great guest, Adam Venters. Adam is uh, the campus minister in the Little Rock area for VCMs in that world, and he is actually currently midway through studying his PhD work in Old Testament. So we're thankful to have you, Adam. And Adam's going to really talk to us today a lot about why the Old Testament doesn't suck and why we should read it. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Ryan. Um, I, I listen to the podcast, and so uh, I've always wanted to be a guest on the Lead Defend podcast, yeah. Absolutely. You have arrived. Like, you have made it. <laughs> I, this is the pinnacle of my existence of being. <laughs> so, so how does it feel? Like, after this, is there any life left to live? I mean... No, probably not. I mean, it's just praying that my kids grow up and they can be on the Lead Defend podcast one day. I think. <laughs> they got a, they got a while though, at least well, seventeen this, years. If this thing know. is still going at that point, that's a, it's an incredible feat. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So um, yeah, so Ryan asked me, uh, or he asked me about uh, reading the Old Testament, and I I think that's pretty interesting uh, of a question uh, because I think about <laughs> the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I kind of got into Old Testament studies via just really wanting to know more about the language. I think my background, and this is a lot of extra stuff, uh, I wasn't raised in church. And so I came to faith when I was 16 years old in Christ. And there was a, I mean, it was pretty compelling then. And it's like crazy how compelling it still is. And to know that you can make a decision at 16 years old that changes the course of your life and the trajectory that you have. Wow. Do you um, think you realized that when you were 16? That no it was shot. that big of a decision? No shot, you know. But if you, I mean, I would say that I didn't realize it, but at the same time I did, um, kind of, it was pretty self-evident. Because when you, I think when you believe the claims of Christ in a way that's transformational to your life, I think that you're buying on to this idea that everything else changes. Mm. And when you're 16, 17 years old, that doesn't really seem like that crazy of a thing, but being 30 now, that is, an, like it's absolutely incredible that a person can make that decision and then walk like that and then everything else be changed by that if they desire to a particular degree, you know? So you live now half your life as a believer in Jesus. I'm close, yeah. Okay. I got two more years. So there I'm you go. I just hit 30, so I, at 32, I'll have been a Christian half of my life. Wow. So, so tell me, what was your first interaction or encounter with the Old Testament that you remember? Yeah, that I remember. Um, well, I guess this might be the same with everybody, but you know, after I came to faith in Christ, it was, you should start a reading plan. So I did the reading plan thing. And then I think like every other person that does that, um, I really lost track of it somewhere in Exodus or Leviticus. And, <laughs> and if you hadn't by then, numbers is done. Yeah, you're done by then, you know. <laughs> so um, then I kind of flipped over to the other way that they I was kind of recommended, like, hey, just start in the book of John, which that's really nice because there's stories and stuff like that. And, you know, the pericopes are, you know, pretty like, like 10, 11, 12 verses or something like that and not like three chapters that are 50 verses a piece, you know. So the Old Testament can be, it's very broad brush strokes and how it's, you know, broken up. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, some of those barriers just that I hear and that I think I had to overcome, 
you know, I, I think when think, people think about reading the Old Testament, um, they don't they don't know how to read it. Um, they don't know how to get takeaways from it. Uh, they might even say, like, I'm not a reader. I'm not a reader type. Or I, I'm not going to be able to read this perfectly, so I don't want to do it. Or um, I just don't really have enough time, and so I don't really know what to do with that. And I think if you just pick, I mean, of the six of those, you know, if, if any one of those can slow you down a good bit. Yeah. Uh, but, man, all five or six of them together, if you compile them, I mean, they'll just crush you, you know. And yeah. so I think on some level you got to get to a place where um, you're at least engaged with the idea of reading. And what I try to tell a lot of students uh, when it comes to reading is, is just to do it. Like... <laughs> Do it haphazardlessly, do it a tiny bit at a time, and just do it badly. You know, like, if you read an Old Testament, you read portions of numbers, you skim, like, you just start looking at all the names, and you just skim from, like, 21 to 40 because it's all names. I, I think that's fine. And, and that's that's better than not doing it at all. Huh? Yes. No. I. Oh, man, I think you're getting it. So... I think one of the things that you have Thanks. to... Thanks. At 27 years old, I'm finally <laughs> arriving. I'm finally getting it. Um, so I, I think this, and this was like a pretty like pretty big deal in my life in college when I kind of put these two piece, these pieces together. But it was the reason... Somebody asked me, I think it was in a philosophy course, why read? That was the question. Why hmm. read? And I was just like, I don't know. I don't really like it. I went to college to play football, so I don't really like reading, you know? And I think on some level, so you read... For information, right? That's not a noble idea. That's pretty, you no know, self-evident. Pretty basic. But, but then I started thinking a little bit more about it, you know. So, information. So, you read information in order to gain data. So, like reasons, facts, those type of things. So that you can make decisions because what you're trying to get to is some sort of formation. Yeah. So, you read information so that you can be formated in a particular way that leads to some sort of results, outcomes in your life. So like whether it's enjoyment or growth, yeah, development. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything. So on some level, and this is what I think is really, really hard about people that are trying to like delve into the the Bible at large, but it's particularly the Old Testament, mm. is man, if you're not trying to be formation by God, like it's just not gonna it doesn't allow you enough like momentum into it in order for you to keep going when it's really hard, you know? And so, but if you, if you know that you need to be formation by God and you know that even if you do it badly, you're doing it better than you would had you not done it at all. Mm, You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think on some level you got to, you got to answer the question just internally. Why am I reading and why am I trying to gain information? And if it's to be form formation by God, uh, the more that you read the Bible, because it's his like primary way of communicating to us, the more God is going to like formation you out into your life, so that you actually make decisions that aren't your decisions or like decisions that you would had any other way, kind of deal. Which I think is the other point is that we're always gaining for information, mm. so we're always being formated in a particular way um, that it causes results and actions of our life. And so what you're saying when you're reading the Bible without really saying it probably out loud, it's pretty self-evident, I guess, is that you're trying to gain information about God so that when you actually go do the things that you're supposed to do, it would be as though God were doing them himself. Okay, so but, but let's talk about that a little bit because the Old Testament, I mean, it's big. It can be overwhelming. Where do you mm-hmm. start is a good question. But, but then again, 
the Old Testament is not always as directly practical. Yes. Or at least that's what some people would argue. Sure, yeah. And so if it's not as directly practical, if I'm looking to be formed by God, why wouldn't I just stick to the New Testament? Yes. Well, I so I think, and this, so there's things that are said in the New Testament um, that definitely are uh, good. They're good pieces of nuggets. But we're, and Jesus says this, that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Yeah. So on some level, if you only understand the New Testament, you're only understanding maybe like a microcosm of all that's there. Mm. Um, and so you're not going to have like the fullness of what God would have to teach you. And I'll give you an example of this. One of the key things in the Old Testament is, this is Proverbs 1-7, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, right? And Jesus actually like echoes this, this idea in some particular ways. Uh, I'll kind of share them with you a little bit. But one of the ways that, the reason why this is such a huge thing in the Old Testament, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, is because like part of your life is driven by fear. Now, I, I this was became evident to me later and I, I had to like put some things together in class and stuff like that. But I always kind of thought that you're always picking between two motivators. Is it a positive motivator or a negative motivator? Hmm. And that's actually not true. So you're always just responding to things and you have positive influence and negative influences and they simultaneously move and motivate you. So it's not, I don't want to be negatively motivated. It's is your negative motivation in the right place? Yeah. So one of the ways that they kind of do this, or this was the kind of the psychological model kind of deal that came out of this is B.F. Skinner. He did this thing where he would starve rats. And so when he starved rats, he realized that they would do things like push levers and stuff like that so that they could get food. And they found it just out of desperation, out of desperation. Well, so that's a pretty good, that's a positive motivator. You mm -hmm. see, like, I want food, so I'm going to do these particular things. Well, this is something that came out a little bit later. If you actually take cat odor and throw it in, like, the fragrance of the rat at large. Hate cats. Yeah, I do too. I'm not a fan. And so do right. <laughs> and the rats, rats did too, yeah. yeah. And so they actually move through the maze faster. Wow. So it wasn't just that they would do it, but they'd actually move faster. So it's this idea, and I think this is incredible, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. So if you actually put the fear of God behind you, it will drive you forward. Wow. And some of it is is not have not having a bad fear. Yeah. Like there's some people they're, they're just a healthy fear of Yeah. Who like the they're Lord feared is. of like uh they're scareful of like failing tests or like running out of money or, you know, like things that just are, are pretty trivial, you know what I mean? Like, like In the grand scheme, they don't matter that much. Yes, but man, knowing that like, and this is where I think this is pretty important, the fear of God, meaning uh, in some level the way the, the Bible puts it, God is the creator of all, so he's the purpose giver of all things. Mm. And so when you let that drive you, like, hey, you're not dead today, so God's got a purpose for your life. And you let that drive you yeah. to great things or whatever it is that God has for you to do that day. Like, you let him formation you out into this life. Man, I, I just think that that's really incredible thoughts, you know. Well, well and that, that really drives you to study his word and say, God, what do you have for me? Because I, I want you to show me so that I can live this out. Yeah, no, and so so another thing. So one, you know, I guess if you're like counting like points and stuff like that, I don't really know, but you need to read. I think you should just do it on some level, even if it's really, really bad. Um, but if you put your fear in the right place, the next thing is, is wrestling with things that really matter. And this is where mm. I, I feel like in reading the Bible, um, man, there's some characters in the Bible 
that do this. So in Genesis 32, so if you start in Genesis, you will maybe get through the first 50 chapters. Well, there's a story in there. It's not particularly long, but it's about 10 verses. Um, it's in 32, I think it's 21, 22 through 31 or something like that. But it's this passage where Jacob has essentially messed over his brother, but he has this, he's going to have a confrontation with his brother. His brother's coming, not just himself, but with 400 other men. Yeah. And he thinks that they're probably going to kill him, that kind of deal. And he doesn't really want to do it. So there's this moment in the scriptures where Jacob wrestles with, and the translation's different. It's an angel in some, but it's the idea that he wrestles with God. Mm. And, and I think kind of the point that you bring out of this is when you let God drive you and you're actually wrestling over things that matter in this life. Like some people ask the question, like, why is there suffering in this life of God's good or something like that? Yeah. A and fair I, question. It, it is a fair question, but I think a, another, like another way of kind of approaching the question is also maybe asking it in a different way, but it's because suffering exists, what do you do with it? Mm. And the idea that happens with God is is that you wrestle with God about what's actually meaningful to suffer over, yeah. you know? And so you wrestle with God about those particular things because that's what is ultimately going to drive you to, like, an end that actually matters in this life. So an example would be, like, if you believe that kids are a blessing, like, there's a period of your life that me and my wife are experiencing right now where you go with very little sleep because they're just up all the time, but they're really cute little tiny people, you know? So like, Most of the time. So if they want to crawl in your bed, like... You just probably are nine time out of ten gonna let them, you know, because they're they're cute people, you yeah. know. Like not unless you think your babies are ugly, and I don't necessarily know any parent that thinks their kids ugly, but I think kids are ugly that aren't mine. Oh, you know, I, I can point to several that have been <laughs> ugly. Yes, but but you suffer having no sleep because you know that this is a blessing mm. at the end of it. You know, if they you know they they get raised up in the Lord, they they live their life in a particular way that's meaningful and it matters and they You just take society. hold of that truth and you live by it. Absolutely, man. And so you let the fear of God drive you. You wrestle with things that really matter. And I think that's one of the, the things in reading the Bible is that, okay, I, God, I don't understand all this, but I'm going to wrestle with it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I, I have a hard time making sense of some of these long lists of names that are in Numbers but there's got to be something in here that's actually tangible, worth me trying to figure out, you know. Yeah. And and I think, I mean, I think this is just part of it um, is that, and this is like the preacher kind of syndrome kind of deal. But most of the time when a pastor stands up in front of a pulpit and he exposits the word of God, like so he, it's kind of like a mining term. So he digs deep in the mine in order to pull out a gem, like a piece of gold that he shows before everybody. That's kind of the analogy that's given. Um, and, and that's what anybody, when they're reading the word, when they're searching through scripture themselves, that's what they're looking for. Sometimes we just don't always have the tools to do it. Yeah. Or they think that around in or inside of every single passage that exists is this grand negative truth, you know, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't work like that. You mm. know what I mean? Like there, there are nuggets and it's worth mining for because once you get them, you can hold on to them because they're super valuable, you yeah. know? But there's a lot of it, man. It's just it's kind of dark coal kind of stuff, you know. So you're just you're just working through it, you know. But you know, you believe because the fear of the Lord's driving you, and you're trying to wrestle with something that matters. That mm. when I find something and it's actually worth something, it's going to be. And this is the proverbs coming out. It's going to be like a golden apple placed on a silver platter, you know. Yeah. For the Lord. So I don't know, you know. Um, I think you wrestle with things that matter. 
because I think when you wrestle with things that matter, I think you come up to this conclusion that, that your life matters. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things... This well, is, well, we just got to repeat that. Like, when you wrestle with things that matter, you come to the conclusion that your life matters. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, how, how big of a gold mine is that? The fact that God's speaking into your heart, into your life, desiring for you to do something with it, because the fact that he's placed you here, wherever oh, yeah. you are, Absolutely. matters significantly to him. And... And this is it's an analogy that's really deeply rooted in Scripture a lot, but it's the idea of sin, which a lot of time that's a negative term, or nobody really knows what that means. They just get called that or something like that. <laughs> but the idea of sin, is it's an archery term, so it's pretty basic in its meaning. It just means to miss the mark, right? Mm. So, so that it presumes a few things that I think are worth holding on to, but if it's, if it's to miss the mark, that means that this life is like a target and you're like an arrow, mm. you know? And in Psalms 124, it actually says that children are like arrows in the hands of like a mighty warrior, you know? So your life actually has purpose and direction and you're trying to hit a mark that's actually meaningful in this life, you know what I mean? And so the idea is that you don't want to sin because you don't want to miss the mark, Yeah, you know what I mean? And so <laughs> that your life has purpose, all that kind of stuff. So another practical analogy from that is man take aim at something mm. like on some level even if you're not consciously saying it you're aiming at something in this life like and and it doesn't matter who you are whether you're deeply spiritual or whatever it's we're all aiming at something so is what you're aiming at <laughs> like a meaningful target to have is it what's going to sustain you when you go through bouts of severe suffering and that kind of deal and is it something that's being driven by the greatest fear that you could possibly have you know hmm. and so you take aim at something and the way that the bible kind of wants you to do this and it comes out of exodus um and like it's in the 13th chapter but in exodus 13 like the people are out in the wilderness so they think that they're going into the promised land that god's going to show them but they're not there yet and, 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 and don't we all feel like that sometimes? Oh, like, yeah. Man, you just asked the question, where am I right now in life? I, I, feel like an, I feel like a missile that's lost its target, like I'm unguided. And, uh, and, and the Old Testament speaks to that. Oh, man, it is filled with it. And the crazy thing is, back to the, the question that you originally asked about the New Testament, the Old Testament, the New Testament sometimes assumes some of these themes or gives allusion or echoes yeah. these great themes that are in the Old Testament. And if you, if you didn't pick them up, you're not necessarily going to get the fullest picture of the New Testament. So one of the big ones in Exodus is the wilderness. Mm. And the idea, and this is crazy, so Israel, particularly where they were wandering in the wilderness at, might be a little bit bigger than the state of Arkansas. But thinking about wandering in the wilderness of Arkansas for 40 years, but you also kind of grew up there. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, not only are you wandering for 40 years, but you kind of grew up there, so you already have some knowledge of the land at large. So yeah. it's not a huge geographical bit of land, but you have to follow God. So essentially, he's zigzagging, you know what I mean? But it says this, and I think this is pretty crazy, that God was leading them cloud by day and fire by night. Mm. And so sometimes when we're taking aim and we take aim at God, and this is where, man, a lot of people want like cookie-cutter kind of experiences with God. And that's why sometimes talking about the Old Testament, they're like, well, what book should I start in? How many verses a day should I read? All this kind of stuff. Yep. yep. I, I just don't know. I don't know what compels you to read, you know? Mm. And then from there, like, I don't know that, you know, you might not understand the whole story. And so how do you understand the 
any part specific section of the story if you don't understand the whole. And so I think you got to figure out like, man, where what is what is gripping you, and how can you invest and dive in right there, and then how can you follow God? Because he's not, he's just not going to be A B C D just systematic on down the yeah. line, man. He just kind of takes you where he needs you to go be, mm. because it's in your best interest because you're taking aim at him and you're letting his fear, of, you know, because you want to be formated in him and all that kind of stuff. And so the cool thing is you make mistakes, but and Jesus picks up on this, but you die to yourself. Yeah. And every time that you die to yourself, it's not that you've actually achieved what you would like to achieve, but you're doing a little bit better than you would had you not done it at all. Yeah. You know, and so... I think, you know, as you wander in the wilderness, that kind of stuff, or you're trying to figure out how to take aim at God, and he's kind of moving all about, you know. He's going to formate you back to himself always because you're wrestling with him, mm. you know. And that's back to that passage in Genesis. I mean, at some, one point in time, Jacob, he, so he gets marked by God because God yep. dislocates his hip. But there's this moment where his hip's dislocated, so he's in an excruciating agony kind of thing, and he's just holding on for dear life to God. Mm. And so he, you know what I mean? He's lost the battle. He doesn't know what he's doing. But God, I'm holding on until you bless me. Dang it! You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, could that could that be a picture of the Old Testament? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we are wrestling, struggling through it, but we're looking for that blessing. Like God, we are mining all this stuff, looking for what you have for us. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I think all the time people are like, "Where do we start? How, how do we how do we digest all of this information?" Because Let's be honest. A, a typical American student doesn't know Old Testament history. Right. Uh, they, they don't have any inclination to learn it outside of studying God's Word. Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, some of this, like, the, the practical things, I think, if a person, uh, it depends on where they're at. Like, if, they, if they've never read the Old Testament before or, or something like that, um, I think being in a group of people that, that can read it with you mm. um, because they can catch some blind spots, you know, that yeah. they see something in a text that you didn't. So I think reading it in a group is really meaningful, but reading it also in a meaningful group. You know, some groups read the Bible, and it, I mean, it's just like, I mean, they're essentially everybody's just wasting their own time, you know, like because mm. they're in there, they're reading the Bible, but they're not really trying to get anything out of it, or one person is lecturing, kind of talking, kind of thing all, the whole time. And, and I think you need some background information, but I just don't know how much background information is essentially essentially essential to the text, you know? That's good. So um, so before, we're going to close here in a minute, and I'm going to let you wrap this thing up. Yeah. But first off, what are some quick resources? Somebody's mm-hmm. like, man, I, I need to study the Old Testament more. What are some easy resources that would be incredibly helpful? Yeah, so the Bible would be one. Okay. Um, but I think here's some resources. <laughs> so you want to read the Bible and, and even struggling with it. And I would say... Even if you don't have resources, it's worth you trying to struggle. Yeah. But the uh, the Bible Project has some videos and things that are online that are really watchable, and they kind of what they do is they paint the broad pictures mm. so that you can go back through and kind of make sense of of the the fragments, you know, which is chapter by chapter. Yeah, that that's time. great. We'll put a link to that in our show notes. Yeah, and so that's that's a really helpful one. I would encourage them to get involved with like a church small group, Bible group, Bible study fellowship, mm-hmm. like Sunday school class, whatever yeah. it is they offer, because you want to be around other people that are trying to figure that out. Uh, apps like the Bible app, it makes it accessible so you can read it anywhere. Um, and that's why back to <laughs> read it haphazardly, 
do a little bit at a time, that kind of deal, and then just try to do it, you know, you can do it bad, that's fine. Um, but those are all, um, you know, the Bible, the gospel, the Bible project, um, and then Bible app, which has some yep. guides and stuff in your phone. I think those things are probably the easiest for a person that's just starting out. Uh, okay, so we would say emphatically, the Old Testament doesn't suck. Yeah. And, and if we're going to put a whole bow on this, this entire thing, what we've talked about a little bit, what, what would be the one charge that you'd give them to leave folks with? Just read. Like, allow yourself to be formation by God. And he does that through his word. He just, he just does. So be formation by God. Read his word, even if you have to do it terribly. Absolutely. Well, hey, one opportunity that you have to do that is by coming to the Lead Defend Conference. If you don't have that on your schedule, make sure you put it down. Uh, Leap Day 2020. Hey, thank you guys so, so much for joining with us, and we will catch you next time. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. Until next time, check out our website at leaddefend.org for details on the next Lead Defend Conference, or shoot Seth and Ryan an email at leaddefend at absc.org. If you want to help us out, rate and review Lead Defend on your podcast app. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening. Now go lead. A podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. The Lead Defend Conference 2020 is right around the corner. And you won't want to miss out on this experience to grow in Christ in leadership and in apologetics. Come here empowering speakers like Mary Jo Shepherd and Robbie Zacharias on how you can defend your faith and lead others in Christ's likeness. So join us at the Emmanuel Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The cost at registration is $30, but that changes after February the 17th to $35. Visit www.leaddefend.org to register or to learn more details.